0: Hello friends. Welcome to the second phase podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a certified brand strategist and business coach. You might be wondering why the second phase? The second phase may be a change in careers and learning how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship, a significant lifestyle change, going from stay-at-home parent to starting a business, a traumatic loss, a move, or an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition, you are here to discover your second phase. Learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact, to grow as your authentic selves and follow your callings, values, visions, and passions, and to learn how to build a solid foundation for long-term brand and business success. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. You ready to learn? grab your coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I have a question for you. Have you struggled to create meaningful copy that connects with your audience and even converts them to clients? A lot of people struggle with that. It's really hard to put ourselves out there, especially if we aren't Writers or have a love for writing. And it's even harder if we are anxious introverts like I am. So, today's guest, Kira Hug, is actually going to help us. She is a renowned copywriter who will help amplify your attitude, anthem, and quirky inner characteristics because that's how you get good copy. We are going to learn how to define our brand personality. And Kira is going to walk us through the living room framework for creating great copy. I happen to be able to get in the hot seat with Kira, and so you're going to hear all these quirky things about me, what my dream living room looks like, and things like that so that you can get a good feel for how you, too, can create good copy, and it's going to be great because eventually, after you listen to this episode you're going to be ready to revamp your website. You're going to be ready to take a look at your email marketing and you're going to have so much action that it's actually going to be fun to see how you transform your copywriting based on this interview. So thank you for being here and enjoy the episode. Kira Hug, welcome to the second phase podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is a topic that I love. So I'm really happy that I have you here to share with my listeners how they can create copy that is really truly going to connect with their audience as well as convert their audience to clients. But I think the most important thing is we're going to get to talk about how they can tell their story to build their brand personality, not just build their brand. But before we dive into that, will you please tell the listeners a little bit about you? What brought you to the journey you're in today? And some of your former experiences, which I think are pretty cool in terms of who you've written for and created copy for, and then just a little bit about you and your life.
1: Yes. Okay. So as you've shared, I am a personality-driven copywriter. So yes, I focus on conversions and sales, but I use personality to build that know, like, and trust factor that is so important uh, in copy. And I also run a copywriter club. So I hang out with copywriters and geek out on copy every day, all day, and help them build their businesses too. So I kind of have these parallel paths where I can focus on copy and sales, but also how to build businesses and see the bigger picture and how it all connects. How I got into all of it, I was an art kid. I was always the creative one, studied art in school, and then fell in love with business in college and post-school and kind of combined it all together with creative and then business strategy, which ultimately led me to copywriting and working on some really big launches with great folks like James Wedmore, Aunt Jasmine Starr, Rick Mulready, Jonathan Fields, and so many incredible leaders in our space. And so today I'm you know geeking out on brand personality and helping people build their businesses.
0: I love it. And oh my gosh, do Jasmine and James and the others that you mentioned have incredible personalities that their copy just resonates who they are. Like you can go to their websites and read their copy. You can see their copy on their social media posts and you just feel this personal emotional connection with them. So they are, I think, great examples as well as your own, your own website and your own social media posts. Like you really, and truly, I I felt like I was friends with you before we even came on to interview today. So I think it's, it's a huge blessing to have that gift, to be able to help people create the copy that's going to show their personality and resonate with their audience. So let's dive right in. So when we talk about creating meaningful copy. And we talk about defining a brand personality through our copy. What are we talking about? And what are the basics that we can think about to then leverage it going forward?
1: Yeah. So we're talking about basically like what makes you weird and what makes you unique in a competitive space? Because as most of us are in competitive spaces, it takes a lot more to stand out today. And it takes really sending Communicating who you are and the multifaceted brand that you've created so that you can connect with as many people in your audience as possible, but what connects with each of them in your larger community will be different. Mm -hmm. And so one person might connect to you because you're talking about the fact that you have a family and you're raising kids. Another person might connect to you because you shared your favorite band. So the more you can share of your personality and your life, the more opportunities you're giving people almost like an invitation to connect with you and say, Oh, I do that too. Or maybe they don't do whatever you're sharing, but they aspire to do that. And so Mm -hmm. maybe they want to travel more and you talk about your trip to wherever they're like, I want to have a life like that. I feel that connection or they share the same values as you, but they can't make those connections and start to know you and then like you and trust you. Unless you start to share that information. And what happens with a lot of us is we struggle to share those pieces of us because we don't know what to share. We don't know if it's too much, too little, or if it just is too strange to share because we've been taught to really show up as like more of a corporate identity through a lot of our backgrounds and from mm-hmm. what we watched on the interwebs.
0: I love that. And so much of what you said, because I am an introverted, intuitive introvert, I guess. Ooh, and then- yeah add anxious into that. So, <laughs> you know, it's that I'm weird. Like yeah, you know, I relate like, to that. I, I'm the same. Yeah. I have always been this like super curious person, very, you know, analytical, strategic. I take it all in before I can react or, you know, truly like make a decision, all those things. And so you kind of seem like you're almost standoffish when you're like that. I think, and that's not it at all. Like, I love to connect with people, love, love, love that. But then on the flip side of that, sometimes I get nervous like, oh, well, if I show that, is it too showy? If I show that, you know, I'm in Florida all the time, or if I'm doing this or I'm doing that, is it too flashy? Is it too showy? Does it look like I'm bragging? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Like, how much do we tell? How much do we share so that we don't put people off versus bring them in? Do you have advice on that?
1: Yeah. Well, I would start with the first part where, you know, you said you're anxious, and introvert, highly intuitive. I'm, I think I feel like the same, exactly the same. So um, I think it's good to talk about that and to share those stories. So I would want to go back and think about when was, you know, the most recent moment where you felt really anxious about something, maybe something that most people don't feel anxious about. And that's something I would want to write down in a journal or wherever you keep your creative ideas what was that moment and um, why did it make you feel anxious? And that could turn into an email that could turn into part of a sales letter, or it could turn into some content for Instagram or, you know, social media. And so that's a really important piece. I would also want to highlight why that makes you gives you an advantage. Why is that your superpower? Because of those factors, You are the best person who can do X and solve this problem for your clients. So it's almost like turning something that could be seen as negative, although I don't think any of those things are negative, but it could turn something that you don't really think puts the best light on you into something that actually is your advantage in the marketplace. So lean into those aspects of yourself that you feel like are weird, because most likely that leads to your superpower, and also stories that are relatable. And I'm sure if you share those stories about being an introvert, the inter- introverted people in your audience will be like, oh my gosh, I can totally relate to that. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you're going to repel the extroverts because they they geek out on this stuff too. Um, and if you talk about your intuition uh, and how that's part of what you do every day and share stories about that, even if it's a personal story about talking to your child and how your intuition kicked in and you helped them do something, That is an immediate direct connection to business, because if you can help your child with that, you could help me because you have such a strong intuition and can help me solve my business problems. Mm -hmm. So all of it is great content and fair. To your second point, though, when is it too much? It's an interesting question, because if you're talking about sharing vacations to Florida, um, I would just want to think about what message are you trying to send with the photos or the captions or the copy that you're writing about traveling to Florida? And if every you know caption is about how amazing it is, what feelings are you trying to evoke from your audience? And are you yeah. doing it? Maybe one is enough and the next one is on something different. So they're not feeling a lack because they don't have it. Yeah, um, Maybe it's more aspirational. So they feel like they can attain it too.
0: Yeah. And I like what you said at the last, because I think so many times, and I don't, I mean, I'll post it periodically, you know, just as an inspiring or a fun Friday thing or something. But I think that for a lot of people, you see all of these things online and I'm guilty of this. I think we all are where you're like, oh gosh, well, they have such a great life. They live and they do this and they do that. And they have all this and it's intimidating. It's almost like they're unapproachable. And I think we get caught in that. Like, well, do I, brag or do I want to share this? But I think it is important to say, if you have worked really hard to achieve a second home or to achieve vacations all the time or whatever it is, share that to some extent, because then you're inspiring people to want to have that too. And you're showing them that you can help them attain that. And I think that's where it becomes less sleazy so to speak in terms of sharing those kind of things it's not bragging it's it's showing it's inspiring so that they know that you can help them attain that too right
1: as long as it's real right if you yeah. have if you're staying in this beautiful loft on a, in this beautiful exotic location and it's real and you're really there post it talk about it that's that is exciting i think most of the people who are following you want to celebrate that with you mm-hmm. but i think what's turned so many of us off to that is that people in our marketplace have posted those pictures and something's off, right? Like sometimes it's the photo in front of the, you know, the fancy car that they rented or borrowed. And so it's inauthentic, but if it's true to you and it's a true vacation, yeah, like share it. But also think about, you know, again, do you want to also share the dark stuff, the hard stuff? Is that balance important to you? It doesn't have to be for my brand. It is important to highlight the wins and the glamour, but also to highlight what makes me a messy person and what my anxieties, and to show all those facets. And it goes back to what I was saying before in the crowded marketplaces, if you want more people to connect to your brand, which means more growth, more business growth, more sales, then sharing those different sides of your brand is really important because you'll relate to some people that need aspirational messages. And they're like, ah, oh, give me more. I want that too. And then you'll connect to other people who maybe don't want that or need that, but they need to feel grounded in your humanness and see the messy side of your life. And they're going to grasp that and say, tell me more. I relate to you. I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. And if you share both sides and all the other sides too, your audience is more likely to grow and you can reach more people.
0: Yeah. I love so much of what you just said. So great. So, so great. Okay. So you actually have a framework that you use, the brand living room framework. And I would love to dive into that and give everyone just some, well, I guess, true guidance as you know, well as ideas by using the framework, how they too can create this copy that's going to resonate.
1: Okay, so we can walk through it kind of a high level and dive in if if wherever you want to dive in. The brand living room framework was created to help you figure out more of your personality that you can start to shine through in your copy. But it could also shine through in your images and concepts that you bring into your business. So the whole idea is that you know every company has a living room, a figurative living room. And so I want you to start thinking about what your figurative living room looks like. If you have a living room that you love and you spent a lot of money and time decorating and it represents you to a T. We can start with that, but in reality, most of us aren't there yet and we don't have that aspirational living room. So if that's the case, I want you to visualize your dream living room. And so we want to start with that aspect and kind of start with you in your brand living room. And so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Robin, just to kind of show some examples of how you can think about this and even maybe how you could use this in your copy too. So for you, Robin, what, how do you typically show up when you're hosting people, friends in your living room? Maybe it's a party, maybe it's a dinner, um, whatever you prefer. How do you show up? Are you high energy? Are you serving everyone food and making sure everyone's okay? Are you hiding in the kitchen like I tend to do? Um, how are you moving through that space?
0: Oh my gosh, this is such a great question because I am all over the place because I hate missing out on conversations, but I feel like I have to make sure everybody is settled. So I'm kind of somewhere in between the first two. I'm definitely not hiding in my kitchen like that, but I am going and and helping people get drinks. I'm making sure everybody has food. I'm making sure everybody's eating. That's a big thing for me. I want people to eat when we're together and I want to talk to everyone. I want to see how everyone is and and everything, so it's so funny, because as I mentioned i I am truly an introvert, but when I'm in that environment, like i do I do feed off of other people's energy in that moment, and I need yeah. to make sure everybody's comfortable and happy and having a good time.
1: yeah, and then what does your voice tend to sound like? Are you louder? Are you telling jokes? Are you kind of having more intimate conversations? Um, telling stories, listening?
0: combination, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And if I've had more than one glass of wine, my voice does get louder. (laughs) (laughs) Full confession there. That's true. Um, I probably need to do this exercise. Like this is what it is sober. (laughs) This is what it is with a couple of drinks
1: and we can work those both in.
0: Yeah. But normally I would say like, no, I'm listening, asking how people are listening and then sharing stories. Okay. Or, or relating to what they've said and connecting, you know, that way.
1: Yeah. So that could just start to inform how you could lay out your content. And, you know, let's just talk about emails and nurturing emails to your audience to keep them engaged with you. Um, it sounds like because it's such a mix for you, it might be a, like kind of one email is focused more on listening and asking a lot of questions and more conversational and actually. Trying to get people to respond to the email and share more information with you because that could help you um, serve them better, maybe create new offers. And then the next email might be something where you're sharing a story and it's a chance for you to highlight your story. And so you could start to rotate your content. Some people tend to want to just share stories, right? Like they're the center of attention for them every email might be a new story. It might be a little bit less listening and more sharing and that's their sweet spot. So it's different for everybody. And if you're stuck as you're writing copy and you don't know where to start, just think about how you show up in everyday space because the online space just mirrors what we do every day when we're we're in real life with people. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can actually go back to that living room and think about how do I talk? Am I loud? If I'm loud, I might use more um, uppercase. I might use more exclamations. If I'm quieter, I might be a little bit more intimate. I might use more parentheses and have kind of notes on the side, almost like I'm whispering to you. So that will also reflect how you style and how the voice that you create as you write copy to. Is it loud? Is it funny? Is it intimate? And it can change. It doesn't have to be one thing because our moods change how we show up changes. So every email does not have to be the same
0: too. Oh, I love that you said that because I get, I get into my head a little bit with emails because there's so much pressure in terms of making sure that you have The high open rate and all of those things. And sometimes I get in my head like, well, I don't want to sound, you know, too pushy or I don't want to sound salesy. And do I use too many exclamation points? I love exclamation points, but... The fact is I'm such a curious person. This is a great conversation for me. I love this so much that we don't have to be the same person because sometimes I do just like to ask questions and to gather more information. And sometimes I like to show the intuitive side. Like, I bet you're sitting there thinking X, Y, Z, Mm, and I know you are because I was too. You know, it's like those. So I love that you say that, that we can actually bring multiple pieces of our personality into the email copy.
1: Yeah, and I think just your tone overall, maybe the theme that connects all of it is that it sounds like you want to take care of your people. Not that any of us don't want to take care of our people, but it sounds like in that type of environment in your living room, you want to make sure everyone's taken care of. So maybe you are even surveying your audience more frequently and like making sure that they're getting what they need and providing multiple messages to communicate to the different types of people in your party or creating different offers that you can share at different times so that everyone gets what they need. Um, I think that could connect with who you are in person and how you show up in your own living room. So it's important for us to pay attention to that. If we want to go deeper into the exercise, we can. That's okay with yes, you. Yes, I would love to. Yes. Okay. So as we're thinking about it more, we also want to think about details in your living room. So this is where it can be fun if you're more of a creative and you like to think about visuals. I want to know what your living room actually looks like. And so for you, you know, it doesn't have to be your current living room, but what would your dream living room look like? The lighting, you know, furniture, any statement pieces that you really want to have in your living room does anything
0: come to mind visually for you oh yeah my dream living room would have a wall of white bookcases filled mm. with books and personal items that are special a white sofa i would no longer have my piano that nobody plays <laughs> yes and and a table in the middle or to the side like a table a uh, uh, almost like a small rustic farm table with white chairs. So we'd have a place where we could play games. We'd have a place to sit on the sofa and cuddle up. It'd be a big, white, fluffy sofa that we could cuddle up in with lots of throw pillows and hardwood with a white, with blue accent rugs. That's it. And the walls would be white. It would just be white and bright and airy, natural light, lots of windows. And yeah, that's what it would be.
1: Okay. So that can just start to shape how you lay out and the the visual aspects of copy and messaging, which are just as important as a message, because if you don't lay out and share your copy in a way that grabs attention and holds attention, nobody's actually going to read what you're saying. So for um, your living room, it sounds like there's a lot of space. So in your emails, I'm, I'm going back to email. So it's easier to think about this in terms of email copy. Yeah. You know, I'd want to make sure that there's a lot of white space on either side of your email copy. And, and it's really, it feels airy and spacious when mm-hmm. um, you send it out. And sometimes that's based on the email provider and the layout that you have to work with. But that seems to fit your living room. It shouldn't feel crowded. It shouldn't feel like you, all the copy is crammed in one space. Um, So that's really important. And then some of the references you shared can also become how you kick off some of the emails too, right? Like, you know, pull up a chair or like come join me on my, you know, fluffy white sofa. And the more you can get specific details. So I'd want to know like, well, what brand, where are you going to get this sofa? What is, what does it actually feel like? How can you speak to it? So it evokes a picture and an image for people so that they feel like they're in there with you and you can even pull it in and say, Hey, like sit down next to me on the sofa. We're going to talk today about X. So Mm -hmm. start to bring in those elements. So you don't have to go overboard and paint the whole picture of an entire living room. And you don't have to do that every time you write to your audience. But if you can start to add those elements to paint that picture, they'll feel like they're in a space with you. And that I think is the most powerful thing we can do with copy is create a space that doesn't currently exist where we can sit down and have an intimate conversation with the person reading it. So the more you can pull in those details, um, the more it will feel real to them and they'll feel like they're, you know, they have a bond with you. Also the blue element that you added at the end, the blue, I think you said blue rugs, blue accent rugs.
0: Yeah. Well, white rugs with blue, like designs in them, like a bluish gray, you know? Okay.
1: Yeah. So that would be an important element to kind of capture that design. And maybe that becomes part of your website visuals, but also, um, copy needs an accent color to you know, draw attention to the most important parts of copy. So I'd want to figure out what color blue and like pull that in. And that would be my only spot color as I'm writing copy to accentuate the call to actions or to highlight anything really important in the message. I would make sure it's in that uh, shade of blue that matches what you're picturing in your living room. Because again, those little details, it's like, well, it's just a color, but those colors start to bring you to life because that's, Mm True to who you are. And so let's not just choose random colors and throw them in our copy. Like let's choose colors that would actually show up in our living room.
0: Oh, I love that so much. That's fabulous. So, okay. Let me ask you this, which you're so on target because my emails are they have a lot of space. Like I have a double at least a double space, if not more, between every line. Okay. I don't cram yeah. a lot of words into one paragraph. It's, you know, like sentence here, sentence there. And I leave a lot of white space. I don't Perfect. flood it with images or anything like that. Like, cause I know for me, I like clean and simple. I don't like clutter. It it overwhelms me. It intimidates me. I just like space to breathe. And I feel like you know, you have to communicate that. Yeah. Even like Instagram, like I don't like if I go to an Instagram profile and it's just one box after another of a bunch of text, I just go right away. Like that just overwhelms me. So I think, I think that's a good, but somebody else may love that. And so then their personality is going to show differently by how they send their messages. And of course, you know, as many emails as we get these days, you see all different kinds of emails.
1: Yeah. Um, And there's not one right way to do it. It's just more like creating consistency because even though I was talking earlier about how you feel can change from day to day and the tone you use in your copy can change day to day and it should, we're, you know, we're not just one person every day, but if you can create some consistent elements like this would be really important. So people can Mm -hmm. recognize, Oh, this is what I can expect. Or like, this is what this brand is all about because we don't want everything to change. So this would be a really good consistent element for you. But you're right. For some people, they like to cram
0: in a lot of stories. They need to be packed and they don't want to create all that space. It doesn't work for them. Yeah. So when we're talking about copy and you mentioned exclamation points, what are your thoughts on that? How many is too many? is there a maximum use? I guess, you know, how often should we use them is what I'm trying to ask.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember at a, a previous job, it was my last job job. My boss was fierce and she edited everything I wrote and what we all wrote. And so she was the one who was just like, and she was, you know, complete feminist. And she's like, you can't use all these exclamations because you sound like a little girl. And like, she just tore it apart. And so ever since then, I've become aware of my exclamations and how I need to be really intentional with them. And I always think of her. And so I love exclamations too. You can use a hundred and one email and it could be a powerful email as long as it's intentional and you're doing it on purpose and you're trying to make a statement. But then in the next email, you should not use 100 exclamations because you're shouting at, you're basically shouting. Yeah. yeah. So use it to make a statement or, you know, sprinkle them through an occasional email. If you are a person who likes to shout or likes to speak loudly But if you're not that type of person and you actually are a quiet person, you shouldn't really use that many of them. I use them stylistically. I'll use parentheses and then three exclamations and then the other parentheses. And I use it as more of like a symbol, almost like a stamp as my signature My signature mark that I will add to all the copy I write because for me that's like that represents Kira Hug. And so if you Uh see that, you know Kira Hug wrote that. So you can also start to develop your own signature style um, that works for you if you like exclamations. So I don't know if I really answered that or not. I would just be intentional about it and edit them out if you can. But if it really needs to be loud, keep it in.
0: Yeah, no, I I love what you said, and I think it's it's very important because. I've caught myself at times putting an exclamation point and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm like screaming at them. And then I'll take the exclamation point off and put a period. And it's amazing the dramatic difference that that little piece of punctuation can can make. So I think it is, you're right. Very important. If you really want someone to hear this message, use an exclamation point. If it's really powerful and it's really needed, but if it's not, just remember that you don't want to like appear to be screaming if you're not screaming.
1: Yeah. And it's also like, it could be screaming, but it also is enthusiastic. And so yes. I think what tends to happen is we're all enthusiastic about everything we're writing and everything we're selling. And that's where we add in too many. Yes. But if you do exactly what you shared and go through it and see where you can pull it out, it will probably read better when you just tone it down. And that way you can keep the value of it because if you have too many, you start to lose the value of it. People mm-hmm. overlook it and they they don't actually read it the way it's supposed to be read. Right. Yeah.
0: And it's funny that you said like that enthusiasm because I have found like when I'm writing and I feel excited, I use them more. Yes.
1: So, so maybe in- later in the day when you're less excited and maybe it's like three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon and you're tired when i had would be less time, coffee. <laughs> less coffee later in the day, like go through it again and cut out as many as you can.
0: Yeah. And I think that's another good point too, is to always send yourself a test email before you send your email out so that you can review your copy and not only for typos or misspellings or whatever, but to make sure it sounds right. It feels good to you when you read it to yourself as the recipient. Oh my
1: goodness. I can't imagine not doing that. Although I'm sure, you know, people just like send it out and don't actually look at it for many reasons. It's important to look at it, to test links, but I also like looking at it on my phone. For some reason, I can catch all the details and everything that's wrong with it on my phone. I cannot catch it on a laptop, but I will review an email 20 times sometimes before it actually will go out to my list because every time I catch something else. And I don't think you have to do that. That's a bit extreme, but I do think it's important to give it like at least three reviews and hopefully share it with someone. Could be a friend, partner, business colleague, just to make sure it's reading the way you want it to read because there are always things we miss or that are said differently than we um, wanted to say it. And so they can catch things that could blow up, right? It can blow up in your face if people read it the wrong way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I I do. I just feel like if I'm sending, if I'm going to take advantage of people's time to read something, I want to make sure that it's effective.
1: Yes. And it starts to affect your open rates too. So if, if your audience knows that when you, when they open an email for it from you, it's going to add value or it's going to be inspiring or every word counts because you put a lot of time and attention into it. They're going to continue reading your emails, but it takes, you know, one or two, um, bad emails where you just whipped it out and didn't really think about it and weren't really sharing your brand personality to stop them from opening the next email. And so all those details really matter. And I can share kind of another aspect of the living room framework. That's important to think about that. I don't want to leave out, which is just the exterior. So when you're thinking about your living room, always think about what's going on outside of your living room, outside of your door. What are your guests dealing with, listening to in their earbuds, reading, watching on the news before they walk in there? because that's really important and that will affect the messaging and the what you're saying to them and how you say it based off what's happening in real life and the best example is you know the recent hurricane um and if someone is dealing with a hurricane and a natural disaster and you know your audience is in it that should be reflected in the messaging and how you speak to them and what you're sending to them. That's one example. There can be many things happening outside your living room, but just be aware of that. You don't have to mention it specifically and say, I know you're dealing with a hurricane or you're dealing with wildfires, but you should definitely reflect it in your tone. Maybe you won't be as loud. You'll be kind of quieter and like ask, mm-hmm. "You know, how are you? How are you doing? And that will be the tone of the email instead. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a great suggestion. Definitely will help with Showing who you are, showing your personality and connecting emotionally too. They'll know that you care about your audience.
1: Yes. And I think there's such thing as a stress ometer. And we need to keep that in the back of our minds when so we write any copy to our audience. Where are they on the stress ometer? Highly stressed, you know, low stress. And that changes day to day too. So you have to have that. Connection to your audience where you understand what they're dealing with week to week, especially in this world today, right? Things change constantly. To understand how you should speak to them and approach them and where they are and what they're dealing with is so key. And I think a lot of marketers miss that. The the Mm -hmm. tone is just off because they're not paying attention to the outside world and reflecting that tone in their messaging.
0: So let me ask you this, Kira, because this, this is a lot of information and I'm hoping it's really helpful yeah. to everyone, but it can also seem overwhelming because some people don't like to write and to sit down and write is very intimidating, especially if you don't come from a place of creativity, long, you know, long-standing creativity or a lifelong love of creativity and all of that. So at what point in time would you suggest to the listeners okay, you're, you're doing this, but you're not getting a great response. When is it the the best time to stop taking advice from podcasts, stop buying online courses and actually hire a copywriter?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, once, once you're making money and you have consistent revenue, um, that's the time to focus on where, where are sales and how can you use copy to generate more sales? Because you want the copy to help you get an ROI. And so whether that's like, you know, your website is not functioning, you're not landing any projects, clients from your website, that would be a really key place to start. It is really hard to write our own websites. Copywriters struggle to write their own websites. So I'd probably start there and you can hire someone. There are Is a wide range of fees and um, you can find someone at basically every price point. And you could also hire someone just to punch up your copy. That's an offer a lot of us offer, like write the first draft and then we can come in and we can kind of take it and add your personality to it. So start there and then look at, is it working? And then what email sequences are you running? Do you have email sequences to sell your services? If you don't have them at all and you don't have time, I would put money and invest money there because that's how you nurture and sell through email. Mm -hmm. So those would be two key places to start, especially if you're currently not doing either or they're not working well and you're not making money from either one.
0: Yeah, excellent. Okay, thank you so much. I loved all of this and I was a little bit in the hot seat there but that was fun <laughs> thank yeah, thank you for being a good sport and sharing your living room with me I appreciate it yes absolutely and that was a fictitious living room it's one that I'm hoping You'll have it soon have I'm it hoping soon. I have soon right that's on my vision board yes. so anyway Kira please tell the listeners where they can find you learn more about you or if they are inspired to work with you how they can do that as well Sure. So you can find
1: my copywriting services at kirahug.com and you can find anything related to building
0: a business at thecopywriterclub.com. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Are you ready to start the second phase of your career journey? Do you feel like you are drowning in and overwhelmed with information about becoming an entrepreneur? Do you wish someone could just give you the step-by-step playbook and hold your hand through the whole process and save you time, money, and energy? Are you frustrated with your lack of progress and wish there was an easier way to grow an audience or scale your business? Maybe you already have a business, but you're stuck, not growing and not getting the clients you dreamed of. In my one-to-one six-month coaching program, we will work together to identify your niche and ideal audience, discover clarity and confidence, differentiate you from all others in your area of expertise, all while working on mindset. You'll walk away after six months with a strong foundation for brand and business success. You'll have access to my templates, learn email marketing, Pinterest marketing, how to blog, we'll review your website copy, and you'll even get an intro to SEO and so much more. Don't have a website? Don't worry. Through my boutique brand agency, my team and I build brands and launch businesses. You can think of it as a brand in a box. We do it all for you and with you. No need to get multiple estimates and work with people all over the place. It's one-stop shopping. After six months, you'll be able to launch or relaunch your business with confidence and be on the fast track for success. No more overwhelm. Frustration be gone. When you hire me as your business coach, you don't have to build a business alone. You don't have to fail your way forward. No longer do you have to overinvest and settle for minimal results. Let me help and guide you step-by-step, piece-by-piece to create a long-term foundation for success and a thriving, profitable business. And let's have fun while we build it. To apply and connect to see if we're a good fit for each other, visit my website, therobingraham.com forward slash brand and business coach. I look forward to learning more about your goals and dreams and helping you make them a reality. And that's a wrap friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources, go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.